To the Moon Jockeys podcast, <laughs> an in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts, Katie and Brian. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. I'm thrilled to have a special guest tonight. You may know her from Padme Amidala or Unmistakably Star Wars. How are you doing tonight, Amy? I'm doing good, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about the Queen, Queen Amidala. She is pretty special, especially if you grew up in, well, if you love the prequels. Yes, she's definitely an underserved but standout character, and I love her very much. Awesome. I thought that you would be a great person to talk to her about, uh, considering your history and uh, Padme Amidala, but we'll get into that. Um, You're kind of known to be a super lover of reading. I am. How did you get into reading? I honestly can't remember a time that I didn't know how to read. I don't remember learning to read. I was always uh, had my nose in a book. I was the kid where like my mom figured out fairly early on that sending me to my room was not a punishment because I would just go in there and read and be perfectly happy. So she would uh, like make me go play outside and she actually did force me to sign up for summer softball one summer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to force me to spend more time outdoors and less time reading and at the library. So I've just always loved it. It's my, it's still to this day, my favorite thing to do, my go-to entertainment activity. So I just, I love being able to experience other people's lives and things that I wouldn't get to experience in real life. And I love learning and I feel like reading just makes those things really accessible. Awesome. Do you have any book recommendations for uh, Star Wars fans and non-Star Wars fans? Ooh, yes. Well, of course, always. Since you asked, um, I would say one of the best surprises, I haven't been reading Star Wars books that long. I actually didn't read my first Star Wars book until after I saw The Force Awakens. And then I, um, when I started kind of boring everyone in my real life because I just wouldn't stop talking about Star Wars because I love that movie so much, I branched out and got online and I found out, oh, there's these books and everyone was talking about Lost Stars. And so I read that and that kind of got me hooked. And I've read a lot of the canon and and I'm working my way to read more of Legends. And so one recommendation I would have for Star Wars fans would be the X-Wing series. Now, this is a Legend series. These are the Rogue Squadron books. Um, But these books are like so much much fun. I didn't think I would like them because I thought they would be just a bunch of space packs but there's so many great characters there's so much humor and there's there's romance there's action there's everything and the series is really fun and two of the books in the series um iron fist and starfighters of adamar are some of my all-time favorite star wars books and so i think it's definitely worth checking out if you like to have if you like fun and you like characters that you really get to love and also if you you know there's like a subset of fandom that's like really into pilots and really into like wedge 
and you're kind of like, where did that come from? I didn't really get that, but after reading these books, I stand wedge with everybody else. So they're they're <laughs> awesome to read. It's good to know. I think too. Yeah, I've got I've got just a couple more. If that's okay, it's hard for me to say just one. Um, for nonfiction, one of the best books I ever read is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Sklute. And if you are interested in science or medical research and personal narratives, as well as themes of social justice and race, this is a really excellent book. And then for fiction, I recently read a book called Rights and Desires, R-I-T-E-S, Desires, and that's by Amanda Cherry, who many on Star Wars Twitter will know. And this is a really fun book set in the Cobalt City universe, which I wasn't familiar with until I read the book, but it didn't impede things at all. And if you like female characters that are sassy and spunky and sexy and fun, this is definitely a book for you. So there, I limited it to a series of 10 and two more. I did pretty good. Way to narrow it down. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> what time frame is the Henrietta Laxon? It starts, it jumps, like the narrative itself jumps around in time, but it starts with the life of Henrietta Lacks. The author heard her mentioned in like a biology class as someone who had donated or had, had cells who had been taken from her for medical research her cells had never died and they kind of spawned this whole new revolution in science as far as like you know fighting cancer fighting diseases fighting vaccine or creating vaccines and things like that so she decided to find out who this woman is and so it's in the uh 20th century but it spans time because the narrative talks about like henrietta's origins and then it also talks about you know her medical treatment and how the cells were taken and then it talks about her family as uh and kind of the ramifications because henrietta did pass away uh-huh. and then it also follows kind of the narrative of the science that's that stemmed from her cells and so it's uh it covers several years but that's the rough time period cool have you been able to share your love for reading with your kids have they caught on to it yeah my oldest is definitely a reader and that's one of her favorite things to do. My youngest recently, we, we've always read out loud and listened to audiobooks, but my youngest is seven and the reading switch just flipped. Like we've just in the last month really started like being able to read on their own, wanting to read out loud. And so that's been really exciting. Cool. And do they love Star Wars as much as you? Yeah, I would say they love it in different ways but i would argue my oldest especially loves it as much as i i do i think showing her when we when i showed them the movies for the first time my oldest definitely got into it more than my youngest did mm-hmm. and i would say what really got my youngest into star wars was rebels particularly ezra and then uh freemaker adventures and and so, but they're both pretty into it now. And it's kind of funny when you just hear them talk and, and, you know, like we have some forces of destiny dolls and they like to play with those. And, uh, it's definitely a part of our family culture. So they, we all love it in our own way. My husband has started reading some of the books and comics too. And so it's nice to have IRL people to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah. I know that like through sharing 
Star Wars with uh, my daughter Zoe, like I've learned a few new things, um, particularly about the forces of destiny and how she like understands it and uh, sees things through her eyes. Um, has their interactions with Star Wars taught you anything? Oh, absolutely. I have like a very uh, humbling story. Like when uh, I showed then the movies i we started with the original trilogy because that's what i grew up watching and we watched um you know a new hope and empire strikes back and return of the jedi they especially love return of the jedi and then they knew knew at that point that there were more and i was like oh i don't know i don't know if those movies are very good i you know i remember seeing them in the theater and kind of just being ambivalent about them and but they wanted to watch them so i thought okay we'll get them and we're we're watching the Phantom Menace and Jar Jar came on and I was kind of, must've made kind of like a derisive noise or something. And my oldest is like, why, why did you do that? And I was like, well, this character, he's kind of silly and he's kind of stupid. And, you know, and she's like, so, and I'm like, well, you know, some people don't like him. And she's like, well, you always say that we, we shouldn't judge people like that. We should be kind to people. We shouldn't say mean things about them. Well, I felt very much put in my place <laughs> and realized I was being a huge hypocrite. And we sat down and watched the rest of the movies. And not we didn't watch Revenge of the Sith for a while. They thought that would be a little too intense, and I was right there with them. But sure. um, seeing, like, when we sat down and watched them, and, like, they were all in. Like, they were totally into Padme. They were totally into Darth Maul. They were totally into... Uh, you know, like Obi-Wan and like the arena fight and attack of the clones. Mm -hmm. And we just had so much fun watching them together. I'm like, these are really, these are actually really good movies. We're having so much fun. I'm, I'm loving them. I'm loving watching them. And I was like, you know what? Let's just love them for what they are. Let's not hate them for what they're not. And I really owe my love of the prequels to my kids. That's so hard to do today. I think is to, to really appreciate the things you do appreciate and forget about the things that you, you, are a little disappointed in or don't like as much. Um, it's hard to have that perspective because so easy it's to jump on the negative train. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. It's hard to focus on. I think like we have a negativity bias, and so if we don't like something or something is bad or irking us, we tend to focus on that more than the things that we like. It's like if you get a, you know like an evaluation from your employer and they're like, "Oh, you did so good. We're going to give you ninety nine percent." whatever and you don't think about the 99% you think about the 1% that you didn't get and exactly. so I think that I think that's kind of just human nature and it's good to just remember like that's one thing that I think sharing Star Wars with my kids has been really good about because like if they don't like something it they just move on to the next thing that they like you know mm -hmm. like or if something is too scary or whatever they just move on and that's uh really refreshing I think we all can learn from that myself included yeah because there is a never-ending flow of Star Wars right now. <laughs> oh my goodness, isn't there? Like, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Like, there's just so much. Yeah. Very it's a good cool. problem. I'm not complaining, but <laughs> there's a lot of content right now. I had a couple uh, poll questions on my Twitter feed. Um, would you like to go over those with me? Sure, go ahead. Okay. The first one was, um, what is your favorite Padme quote? 
and I had listed four options because that's the most I can list. And I'm sorry I didn't list all the best ones because I never do. But the ones I uh, came up with were, I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Uh, all mentors have a way of seeing more than, of our faults than we would like. It's the only way that we grow. No, I call it aggressive negotiations. And uh, so this is how Liberty dies, with thunderous applause. Um, believe it or not, the so this ha is how Liberty dies got 69% of the vote. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> That's like a very well-known line, and it's uh, very prescient. It feels very timely in our current um, political state in the real world. So I think that that does surprised me that that um that that line was a lot of people's favorites nice and did, what is your favorite my favorite is not in the poll it's a, not a well-known line but <laughs> no 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 um but it's uh, my favorite is from the phantom menace and it's when padme is actually disguised as a handmaiden and they're kind of pressing uh the handmaiden that's in disguise as the queen to, to do something. And Padme just says, we are brave, your highness, as a way to kind of like reassure her and to let her know, like, it's going to be okay. We're going to do the right thing. And I find that line very comforting. And when I have, like, if I'm struggling or when I get anxious, that's something sometimes I'll repeat mantras to myself. And we are brave, your highness is definitely one of those that I say to myself over and over. So that's my favorite Padme quote. That's a great po positive. Do you have a favorite one? Um. Yeah. Do I have a favorite one? Um. Uh, I think the thing I love about Padme the most. We'll get into the next one, but um, her <laughs> politics I think is what I really admire about her in her s servant leadership um, attitude towards being a politician, like. I think she's all about actually serving the people that she's supposed to be and not so much about getting glory for herself. So I will not condone the course of action that will lead us to war is, is one of my favorites. Oh, that's a good one. You're right. She's not, she's one of those for all like the uh, talk about politicians and kind of the comments that Obi-Wan and, and Anakin make she really is very pure of heart especially for a politician yeah i find that very admirable we did have one write-in um from jim caprin um he wrote i don't know you anymore you're breaking my heart you're going down a path i cannot follow uh from revenge of the stiff that's a good one too good job that is that's a very sad one the next poll i we had was um what do you like most about Padme? Um, I think I said clothes, politics, mm -hmm. her boldness or compassion. Yes. And the one that won was her boldness by far. And that one was 67%. So... What what characteristic do you like the most? Uh, I really well. I like that she combines so many of those characteristics. But I think her compassion 
is something that I really look up to in her. She really, and she, she's very selfless. She puts like her duty and others before her own needs and desires. And I, I really admire that about her too. Yeah. My, my vote went for uh, her politics. Um, but again, that's just the way that her attitude is, is different than what we see today, especially in politicians. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't you wish that she like really could be a Senator? I would vote for her in a second because I feel like she, like she recognizes, Recognizes that the system that she has to operate within is flawed. So she knows flawed. it's not perfect, and she's yeah, and she's not like idealistic about it. And as far as, or like naive, she doesn't just turn a blind eye and think the system will save us. Like that's part of what the lesson that she learns in the Phantom Menace. You know, when she says it's you know become clear to me that the Republic no longer functions, yeah. but she doesn't like you know quit or. or uh, run away or cause trouble. She tries her best to work within the system and to make it as good as it can possibly be. And that's something that definitely uh, appeals to me because I, I'm, I, that would be more naturally what I would do. Like I wouldn't try to burn it to the ground. I would try to work with what we had. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with, I mean, sometimes you do need to burn it to the ground. So <laughs> that's just not naturally what I would do. And so I, I just appreciate that she tries to make the best of what she has. And she really does do, um, she does some amazing things. Like if you look at like, not only what she does in the saga films, but in the clone wars, like, you know, going to meet uh, Mina Bonteri to try to arrange a, um, you know, talks for, to, to negotiate for peace. And when she, uh, gives you know speech. Uh, you know she's trying to get assassinated. They're trying to assassinate her, and she's scared about a speech, but she gives the speech anyway. And so, like, she really does do the best thing for other people. And I just I love that about her. Yeah, like the fact that she does try to work within the system to make the best of it is takes a lot of courage and uh, boldness and hotspot just to yes actually not give up and have hope in the midst of the struggle is very very hard to do you know what i mean yeah i think no one like so many people in her position either like gave up trying to make it work in the big picture and they just tried to make things good for themselves or they just quit trying and called it in but she didn't do either of those things she was really unselfish she was really focused on what she needed to do and her goal of peace. And she did everything she could to make that come about. Cool. Very cool. Can we get into the heart of the talk and dive into our Padme discussion for this evening? Absolutely. Okay. The first point I wanted to talk about, it may be a little superficial, um, but um, I kind of wanted to talk about how awesome she's dressed for the Star Wars galaxy. Like, I know it sounds silly, but I really think they did a huge improvement to make Padme more accessible to a younger audience um, by letting her be a woman and to have, like, what is it, 12 different outfits in the Phantom Menace or whatever? Yes. I, I, I don't have the count. That's where I, like... 
I love her wardrobe. It is iconic. It's the most iconic in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. And she's stunning, and she looks stunning all the time. I'm not an expert in, like, I don't cosplay, so I don't, like... I'm not the best person to get into like the finer points of like the different materials and the stitching and the different aspects of it. But her wardrobe is distinctly feminine. And I do like that about her. I, I like that she's able to be a strong character and she is able to still look like a woman. She doesn't need to look like a dude uh, in order to be strong. So I like that they did give her that f- feminine edge and she just I mean like those costumes are amazing she never she never once does she not look amazing <laughs> so like she just it's just uh um, like I don't know poetry on screen poetry in motion it's just stunning every single time and it's one thing to have it designed that way and it's another thing to be brought to life um when they brought in Trisha Bag- Bagger as the um for all the costumes, it, it, it was just a huge improvement. Um, in the, I, I can't recommend the special features from Attack of the Clones and the Phantom Menace enough. Um, we did do a another talk with Holly recently that if you're interested in more about Padme's outfits, you can listen to that. And Holly knows what she's talking about more than I do when it comes to that so <laughs> you don't have to know everything trust me I don't yeah, know I'm everything a, either it, it's just funny because it's like I people like her wardrobe I'm like yes oh my gosh her wardrobe and then I'm just like I have, have nothing to contribute other than like it's so pretty it just looks so pretty it's so good and pretty so I always feel bad but she's it's stunning it's it's gorgeous my my favorite is the simple white uh attack of the clones outfit pre before the midriff is showing like when she has the the cape on um that's that's my favorite padme outfit it's hard to choose there are so many good ones but that one's my fave nice that, that one's very uh moderate and conservative a little bit you know that's yes cool. yeah the next point i wanted to talk about was padme's politics um do you, what would what do you think about Padme's politics? Well, we talked about this a little bit. I think that she's someone who, for all... Like, when we meet her in The Phantom Menace, she's literally the teenage queen of an entire planet. How does that <laughs> and work? I mean, seriously. You know, I you mentioned Holly, and I know that she and Brian did an episode of Authentic History. They're um, faux history podcast yep. talking about um Naboo and how uh, if I'm remembering correctly and I, I'm not going to be able to cite sources other than that episode but they intentionally had like an older guidance like person there to guide a young ruler because they thought that a young ruler would be you know kind of like hopeful and, and innovative and inspiring and so you know when we meet her at 14 and she's ruling a planet dealing with a terrible life or death situation and it's through you know it's really ultimately her own plan and her own humility of humbling herself before Bosnas and the Gungans that she's able to save her planet yeah and so she really puts her duty first 
and other people first, and she takes her job seriously. Then after, I mean, we learn in Attack of the Clones that, you know, she's no longer queen, she's a senator. And so, like, they wanted, she was such a popular queen that they wanted to change the laws so that she could <laughs> stay on as queen, yeah. but she didn't do that. And then and instead, she, you know, was kind of ready to be done, but then the queen asked her to be a senator, and so she did that. And she again followed through with her duty. So um, I just, I find her leadership very inspiring. And she does it all in a way that is like relational. And I mean, of course, she's confrontational, like when she faces Newt Gunray, because she has to be. (laughs) But um, for the most part, it's through forging relationships and alliances. And that's how she's able to do what she needs to do, try to do what she needs to do it's kind of interesting that they do have her as a young queen to serve in um to rule because in the youth you wouldn't be corrupted by the system um i think a lot of times people from what i've seen in our culture politicians like being politicians and they want to remain in office more than they want to serve um the people that they represent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does seem like um, you acquire a taste for power and then you'll do, uh, you know, whatever it needs to be done to maintain that power and that becomes more of your focus. But I feel like Padme really is free from that. And that's one of the, you know, beautiful things about her. That's a politician you can actually believe in. I like that she tries to avoid war um, because I think that... And that's something that I think the Jedi have fallen into, that once you become you become corrupted by war and you become part of the war machine when you are involved in war, um, and you get lost in what is the point of trying to make peace. Um, I think that that's why the Jedi Order became so arrogant, uh, serving as generals in the Clone Wars and... Um, it go, it kind of gets back to Saul's Saw Guerrero's deleted line in Rogue One when he says, "What will you do when they catch you? Uh, mm-hmm. What will you do when they torture you? Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep fighting, what will you become?" Um, it's like if you keep fighting for a long, long time, instead of fighting to find peace, you be, just fight to fight, and you find a new opponent when you've de- defeated the one you've conquered or whatever. So it's just like Padme's attitude of wanting to find peace and to avoid war is uh, refreshing. Yeah. I think if you – one of kind of the the thoughts or prevailing uh, notions about Padme throughout the prequels is that she's the truth teller, like what she says is right. And – you know, that's her wanting peace is very much a part of that. Um, she, you know, she was right and the Jedi were wrong. <laughs> and like, uh, I think that Sidious, you know, um, he underestimated her on Naboo in The Phantom Menace and he learned to not do that throughout. You know, he didn't underestimate her, he kept trying to have her killed. But she, she, because she was right all along, she the focus on peace really would have helped. And sometimes, you know, when you're so close to something and you're so involved like the Jedi were, it's hard to get 
clarity, you need to step back, which they, they couldn't step back because they were in the middle of the war, but then that definitely inhibited their ability to evaluate the situation clearly. Do you think it's clear? Her commitment to peace is really admirable. Sorry, go ahead. Do you think it's clear in Attack of the Clones that she's the leader of the opposition of the creation of the uh, Grand Army of the Republic? Well, I think definitely it comes through that that legislation is very important to her. Um, they took out, there's a deleted scene of her where she's making a speech um, right after she was assassinated that would have helped to clarify that. So it it's clear to me, but I've also like studied her character and I'm really into it. So it it's apparent to me. I know some... Some people don't like the politics of the prequels or they find them kind of, I know the first time I saw them, even though like I was, you know, in my teens and early twenties, some of it went over my head and some of it I've had to think about and grasp even as I've gotten older. And so uh, to me, it's clear. Do you, do you think it's clear? I don't think it's clear at all. I think that you have no idea why she's getting assassinated. You just know that she's getting uh, like attempts on her life. Like, I don't think... (sighs) The reason why is very clear. I wish that that speech was back in Attack of the Clones because it would have really set her apart as that leader. It definitely, it definitely does make that very clear, and it shows it links like the assassination attempt that we just saw, and then like what go what happens later in the movie with her having to leave even being not wanting to go because of the legislation. Um, So yeah, it's unfortunate that they didn't leave that in. Must I remind the senator from Malastair that negotiations are continuing with the separatists. Peace is our objective here, not war. My noble colleagues, less than an hour ago, an assassination attempt was made against my life. One of my bodyguards and six others were ruthlessly and senselessly murdered. I was the target, but more importantly, the security measure before you was the target. I have led the opposition to building this army, and someone will stop at nothing to assure its passage. Wake up, senators. You must wake up. If you offer the separatists violence, they can only show violence in return. Many will lose their lives, all will lose their freedom. I pray you do not let fear push you into disaster. Vote down the security measure, which is nothing less than a declaration of war. Does anyone here want that? I cannot believe they do. Yeah, if you see that deleted scene, it does help that plot point out a lot. Um, I, I, she has so many deleted scenes it's very hard to like <laughs> pick just one that you need to add back in because the last two movies I feel like there's a whole Padme story that you could tell she's particularly missing from Revenge of the Sith I really I think if I had to pick one to add in it would be her, her meeting uh, the other senators, including Mod Mothma and, and Bail Organa to talk about, like, you know, the beginning of the rebellion. Um, I think that would have 
just added so much to her character and it would have added a lot to the diversity of Rogue One. It would have made it so that Padme wasn't the only woman with a speaking part in, in Revenge of the Sith, excuse me. And so I, if I had to pick one, that's the, the one I would put back in. Now that he has control of the Jedi Council, the Chancellor has appointed governors to oversee all star systems in the Republic. When did this happen? Oh, that decree was posted this morning. Do you think he'll dismantle the Senate? Why bother? As a practical matter, the Senate no longer exists. The Constitution is in shreds. Amendment after amendment. We cannot let a thousand years of democracy disappear without a fight. What are you suggesting? Suggesting? I, I apologize. I don't mean to sound like a separatist. We are not separatists trying to leave the Republic. We are loyalists trying to preserve democracy in the Republic. I can't believe it has come to this. Chancellor Palpatine is one of my oldest advisors. He served as my ambassador when I was queen. Senator, I fear you underestimate the amount of corruption that has taken hold in the Senate. The Chancellor has played the Senate as well. They know where the power lies, and they will do whatever it takes to share in it. And we cannot continue debating about this any longer. We have decided to do what we can to stop it. Senator Mon Mothma and I are putting together an organization... Say no which... more, Senator. I understand. At this point, some things are better left unsaid. Agreed. And so we will not discuss this with anyone without everyone in this group agreeing. That means those closest to you, even family. No one can be told. Agreed. Yeah, I wish that that one had been left in. My, my favorite ones are the ones with her and her family on Naboo and Attack of the Clones. Um, so if I could pick one per movie, I'd pick that one um, for, for Attack of the Clones clones i feel like that little bit does so much to her character it adds a lot of humanity it shows another side of her and it also helps make sense for uh i think it adds a lot to her progression of falling in love with anakin and makes it seem a little more natural and a little less kind of out of nowhere um when there's that conversation of you know she gets to see her family and her sister is uh kind of like oh my gosh he's he's really into you and she's like, no, no, he's not. Uh, we're just friends. It's just professional. And he gets to see, you know, he hasn't really been part of a family like that either. Um, it was him and his mom. And Shmi is awesome and loved him very much. But, um, you know, they were slaves. And he got taken away from her when he was nine. So I feel like that's, I don't know, that would have done a lot for, for their romance in particular. Yeah, and seeing... Uh... different family dynamic would be is is it takes him out of his comfort zone you know what i mean with anakin mm -hmm. yeah it, it does it really is a lot of i mean a lot of attack of the clones is the two of them being uncomfortable with their feelings in many different environments <laughs> their feelings towards each other their feelings about their own place and their own their own roles and their own situation and yeah, I feel like those family scenes just would have done a lot. Those are those are my favorites to go 
back and watch. They're my favorites to read about in the novelization. And I actually, I think, think about her family a lot. And I wonder where, where they are and what happened to them. Sarah, oh, I would love to find Sarah that out. with Brian on the uh, Where Are the New Berries? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where Are the New Berries? Hashtag Where Are the New Berries? <laughs> uh, do you... Um... Do you like the uh, romance in Attack of the Clones and see that how it progresses as it is in I, the film? I do. I I ship it. I ship Anadala. <laughs> and so I know that it doesn't work for some people, and I know that they don't like it, and that is totally fine. I'm all about ship and let ship. But for me, I I really, I really, really like them. Um, I think... They are so awkward, <laughs> and I know that makes some people cringe and not like it, but for me, it's so endearing because it's very relatable <laughs> because I, I am also a very awkward person at times socially, <laughs> and when you just see these two, like, objectively, empirically, really, really attractive people kind of not have any moves and not have any game and kind of stumble all over each other it's just really endearing and really adorable and uh i i really like it i think it's not a perfect relationship i love how you know they they try so hard they have feelings for each other they try you know they they have that kiss and they say no we're not gonna work we can't do it we can't live a lie it would destroy us as padme says which once again she's right about everything so it does in fact end up destroying them but you know, that a scene in uh, before they go out, they're wheeled out to the arena where they're going to die, and she finally admits that she loves him. You know, like, as far as they're concerned, this is it. They're about to die, so they have nothing left to lose. And so she tells him how she really feels, and the look on his face is just, like, disbelief and wonder when he's like, I thought we had decided not to fall in love. <laughs> it's just so perfect and so pure. I just, I love it. It. And their scene in Revenge of the Sith on the balcony, uh, where he just looks at her and says, "You're so beautiful," and, and and you know that she's like, "So love has blinded you," and are you so in love? No, I'm so in love with you. Like it's just so pure, and I just love it. And I know it's cheesy, and some people don't like it, but for me, it's I just I love it, and I love how even though she loved him so much, and she would you know do anything for him, she still you know, when she goes to confront him on Mustafar, she's like, you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I can't follow. She still stays true to herself. You know, she doesn't think like, oh, well, I love you and you've gone this way. So I'll go this way too. She knows that, you know, she knows that it's wrong, but she still believes that there's good in him. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the those are the last words that she says. And I feel like so much of that belief and, in him and in his goodness is passed on and we see it in Luke. And so I, I, I love it. I ship it. Like I said, I know it's not for everybody, but for me, they're, they're definitely up there as one of my favorite ships. I think somebody in that relationship had a little bit of game, at least in setting the atmosphere. <laughs> Cause like the, the dates that they go on are pretty spectacular. They well, they're like very beautifully, very beautiful surroundings, um, and so 
and we don't know who else like who else is there with them like are some of her handmaidens there are they the ones that are like lighting the fire or like packing the picnic for them to go out you know like i don't know it is it's like breathtaking scenery whatever you think of attack of the clones it's so cinematic and some of the shots are just so Oh, gorgeous yeah. so yeah maybe you're right maybe one of her handmaidens was secretly shipping them too i don't i, I don't know <laughs> and when padme does confess her love she is expecting to die so they're not expecting to have to live with the ramifications exactly so they're like damn it we lived now what do yeah. we have to do with yeah and then it's like okay well we're gonna we're gonna do this you know and so and then of course we get the secret wedding on Naboo with R2 and C-3PO and you know like I don't think she ever would have admitted that she loved him if they hadn't thought that they were gonna die I think she would have continued to do her duty but when it's like well I'm you know we're gonna die in a few minutes what have I got to lose and that's the yeah yeah she's honest with herself and with him I think for the first time. I like the fact that she does call that out in Anakin to be vulnerable and to share truth uh, when he does kill the Sand People. Um, she gets him to talk about it, and that's not something that he's really comfortable doing, but he, I guess he knows that he should. Yeah, and I think, like, I think it's interesting that he tells her at all, like, he confesses to her what he did, because he wouldn't have had to do that and i think i've seen some criticism of how she handled that situation but i'm gonna give her a pass because like he still ultimately made that choice and i don't know that she knew exactly what he did like she doesn't know who the sand people are we know from phantom menace she's not super familiar with Tatooine, its customs and its people and so i think that she you know i don't think she knows quite the seriousness of what he did because obviously that would be a huge red flag but i do like that she does you know she does hold him accountable she does to in a sense that they do talk about it and so i appreciate that about that situation also and she does that before you know earlier in the movie when she's talking about you know mentors they help us grow even when they see things in us that we don't like and so it's they do have a some give and take in their relationship. It's not completely domineering or one-sided, like I think some people view it to be. Yeah, that is true. Um, from one slaying of children scene to another, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that Padme's ruminations could have been an early version of Force Time? You know, I've had that thought. I, I, of course, like before The Last Jedi, I didn't think about Force Time in the sense that we do now because it just hadn't occurred to me in that way, really, that that would be something that the Force could do. So I do feel like there's some evidence in the novelization that she, that is kind of it. Uh, like Anakin kind of gets an impression of her saying that she's not afraid to die. And, you know, like, is that Luke and Leia in her? And, like, is she force-sensitive while she's pregnant with them? Or is it just a moment where she is, you know, like, he's picking up on her feelings in the Force? 
I, I don't know, but like I, I have wondered that, and that was kind of a headcanon of mine. Like, I just kind of thought of it as like maybe she had the force when she was pregnant with the twins, but I don't know. And now with the Last Jedi and Force time, who who knows? <laughs> so um, that's something that I like to think about, but it's more like a headcanon than anything else. I heard it somewhere. I don't know if it was on your podcast or another podcast or I read it, but I saw that suggested that it could be a version of force time. And I, I, I thought that that would be interesting, especially um, I don't think George thought of it that way, but it kind of is, is in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's something that I don't think we thought about at the time. And I don't think George did. But knowing what we know now, like, and looking back, I think there's definitely a case to be made for it. Sure. Okay, we're going to talk about the sad parts. Um, what do you think uh, of okay. <laughs> well, well, I get why people hate it. So I, I do get why it makes people mad. Um, you know, she's lost the will to live. It's like, what? What? Um so oh, I I get why she has to die because part of the problem why she had to be out of the picture was you know obviously four five and six were first and so and they weren't around she was gone so yeah. they had to like retroactively make that fit you know when they were doing the prequels um, um, one take that I heard on it that made sense to me is that someone likened it to um almost like an addiction and an, an abusive relationship in that um if anakin slash vader had known she was out there he wouldn't have stopped hunting her down and so like it it would have ended in her death no nope, you know regardless um do i like that she died to really you know further his arc and make his life tragic no but that's the story you know that's the story that we have and so i guess for me it's kind of like going back to focusing on what you like and maybe not focusing as much on what you don't like am i sad that she died yes do i wish she had lived yes but like it is what it is and i cry in that scene every single time and that's you know it's just sad and that's how i that's how i cope with it yeah have you heard the theory that um Sidious may have killed her as opposed to her actually dying of natural causes or losing the will to live. I have heard that theory. I like that theory a lot, actually, um, that he, like, pulls her life force and uses it to sustain Anakin. Um, especially if you look at, like, when you watch those scenes and their heartbeats are synced up as he's, you know, she's dying and he's being reborn as vader i think that symbolically that's very much the case and i like i mean this is gonna sound really petty but i like having someone to blame for her death other than anakin so um i like the theory that way too and he's just evil enough to to do it that mean old uncle palpy so um i have heard that theory and i what do you think of it i believe it was from joey from retro zap um, is the one okay. that came up with it. Um, I love that theory. Uh, I've talked to the story group as about certain things with that, and I believe Pablo. Well, 
I believe Pablo has said succinctly that it was purposeful that Padme's last heartbeat was right before Anakin's or Vader's first heartbeat. Um, mm-hmm. And then the joy that the Sidious has in telling Vader that Padme, in your anger, you killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, he is grinning from ear to ear and just reveling in the pain that he's causing Vader in that moment. And it's, I, I think that there's a lot of merit to the idea that. Sidious had the power to do force chokes across the galaxy, so I think it's very possible that Sidious could have killed the one that Anakin loved so that he cemented Vader's um, devotion into his teachings. So. I think like the Revenge of the Sith novelization talks at the end um, about how like it, it's the ending is so powerful. I don't want to like say too much of it to spoil it, but it talks about how like Anakin realizes like the the dark is all he left, so he has to embrace it. And I think that was what Sidious was ultimately going for. Um, and I think we know how devious he was and how strategic. So I definitely would not put him put it past him to have done that. Yeah, he's he's pretty evil. I love yeah. him for that and really dislike him a lot. Yeah, I'm that. like, I love to hate him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. I love to hate him. Yeah. Do you have any other points on Padme you'd like to talk about tonight? No, I think we've covered just about everything other than that she's severely underrated and overlooked. And I love the chance to talk about her. I think... When I remember, uh, it's been probably like a couple years ago now, the New York Times did an article where they talked about um, female heroes in Star Wars. And in the article, they talked about Leia, and they talked about Rey, and they talked about Ahsoka. And then they said right in the article, like, well, we won't talk about Padme. Was that and the New York just, Times? Mm-hmm. I believe it was the New York Times. And it just made me so mad and I thought well if you're not going to talk about Padme I'm going to talk about Padme and I will not defer from talking about Padme so thank you so much for having me on and letting me have the opportunity to talk about Padme isn't that article kind of like the birthplace of your podcast yeah it I will say that article I really in that article it just made me so mad and so I started at that point just kind of like um, being more vocal about my admiration and love for Padme. And then one day, literally kind of on a whim, I had this idea and I thought there should be a Padme podcast. It could be called Podme. <laughs> that is a great And name. I tweeted it out. Yeah, It just came to me and I'm like, I just kind of tweeted it out like half as a joke because while I, you know, I've appeared on pod, like I don't, know the technical aspect of it like i'm more of the like i show up and talk and then other people are smarter than me and do all the work and so i just kind of tweeted it out and then i had like people messaging me being like are you for real because i i would totally do this i'm totally into it and so like charlotte arity from sky talkers and natalie from and lynn from sapphic skywalker and then Sarah Demp that writes at 11.38, kind of like we all came together and we're like, oh my God, let's let's do this. Let's really do this. And it became a thing. And so, yeah, it's a monthly show on the Unmistakably Star Wars feed and we get together and we chat at all things Podme and it's 
or all things Padme on Padme. I can't talk. <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun. So it just goes to show that like a stupid idea of a pun that you tweet out can like lead to a podcast. <laughs> Especially when you have, find people that are like-minded and have a passion for it. It's great to see all yeah. of you come together in that project. I really like it and have listened um, to them. So it's, it's Well, really thank fun. you. It's been awesome to hear from so many people that are like, oh my God, Padme, I love Padme. So I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are eager for more Padme content and want to talk about it. And so it's just been, it's been so much fun and it really is a labor of love. Yeah, what what time frame would you like to get more Padme if you got like another novel or a series? Oh, <laughs> um, well, there's 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. That's a big chunk. And long years um that would be ripe for all, all kinds of stories um i'd certainly be up for any more forces of destiny content with her um i'd be up anything pre-phantom like literally anything i would take i i would eat it up but um my dream would be a series of ya novels that would feature the hand maidens mm -hmm. um i know that will never happen but that's my that's my dream so that that, that's what I would love to see the most. And I hope someday there's been some rumors of a Padme novel. Um, I hope we get some more content out there. We'll have to see. Until then, we'll just keep talking about how great she is on Padme. Yeah. It, it's weird that in the Forces of Destiny, most of her um, shorts, she's with Ahsoka, like as a pairing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which I like to a certain extent because I like one of the things i like about padme particularly in the clone wars is that you get to see her have female friendships and that's just not something we get to see a lot in star wars is two women being friends and so i like that aspect of it but i also kind of wish we got some with just padme because i'm greedy and i i want all the padme i can get do you think ahsoka so. knew about padme and anakin in like the clone wars before she i left? do I do. I think that Obi-Wan knew, and I think that Ahsoka knew. I think that in Season 5, when Ahsoka leaves and Anakin's like, I I get it. I get why you would want to leave. And she says, I know. Yeah. I think that's her being like, I know. I know. And Obi-Wan knew the whole time. I mean, that in Revenge of the Sith, it's still one of the most heartbreaking scenes where he's like, it's Ana Anakin's the father, isn't he? I'm yeah. so sorry. And, uh, like, they all new but when you don't want to see something you can really make yourself blind to it oh my gosh that is so freaking true and it makes me so sad yeah De like denial is a really underrated coping skill <laughs> that's only a problem if you look up yeah 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 cool well uh, now it's time to hear from you, the audience. You can email us your thoughts on Padme Amidala at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. Amy, I'd really like to thank you for spending some time with me and sharing your knowledge on Padme. Um, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Amy Wishman, and you can read my writings at unmistakablystarwars.com, and occasionally I guest our contributors to that podcast and then you can also hear me on uh, Padme Amidala podcast at, and that you can find that at, at Padme Amidala awesome 
Well, thanks a lot for taking time tonight. I hope you have a great evening. Thank you. I will not defer. <laughs> Perhaps I can inspire some more confidence next time. Thanks again for taking time to talk to me. You can follow the podcast at Moon Jockeys Pod. You can follow me at Balls in Play. Next week, we'll be talking about the themes of Revenge of the Sith with Charlotte Arity from Sky Talkers Podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time. May I first be with you? Always. Push the button, Chewie.